when things don't seem eh, quite right. When you feel like you just need to take a swat at something up on the pedestal. Courtesy of a nun. That's next on this episode of the Gratitude Journal Podcast. This is the Gratitude Journal Podcast. Getting old sucks, my friends. It sucks. Getting old is horrible. Uh, the aches, the pains, the things that just don't seem to work quite like they used to. Some things don't work in any way, shape, or form like they used to. I'll reserve that one for later. But today, it's my left knee. Ugh, it's driving me crazy. Matthew here, and thank you for tuning in to this, the Gratitude Journal podcast. One podcast in millions of podcasts, all designed to fill a niche, all designed to give info or entertain or... Uh, the goal could be varied. This goal of this podcast, hopefully to show gratitude for the things around us and maybe the things that haven't really made themselves apparent, or maybe they have made themselves apparent and we've just chosen to look the other way, either directly or indirectly. This podcast, hopefully, is one that will help you to see some things around you that you can show gratitude for. Because really, I think the goal of our life, however difficult it is, is to find meaning and to find purpose and to appreciate the things that either we've been given the opportunity to afford or been given the opportunity to take advantage of or have just been given the opportunity to do with it what we will. And that's the purpose of this podcast. And hopefully, after you see some of my failings, maybe you can investigate some of the situations in your own life, and perhaps you will be more successful than me. So that's the purpose of this podcast. Whether my left knee hurts or not, I don't know how I did it. All I know is that it was kind of tightening, kind of stiffening up, and I try to do a workout several times a week, up to four times a week. And really, the workouts, as I ascend into AARP status, really, I've been in AARP status for some time, and I just hit another milestone birthday a while back. I still try to not be sedentary. The thought of being sedentary is really kind of anathema to me. And I really feel like, you know, everybody should get out there and do something or get in there and do something even if you don't like to be outside. For me, it's alleviating myself of a gym membership because of COVID and really adopting a kind of indoor workout routine using a couple of DVDs that I purchased, used from someone on eBay. And so I do a lot of jumping, basically. I don't really do lifting anymore. I can't run because my hips kind of hurt. And I was just telling Donna today, as we were taking Izzy, to his appointment. And then we immediately went back to pick him up from his appointment because some weirdness occurred, which I'll get to in a bit. But, you know, we were driving Izzy there and I saw somebody running and I said, well, there she is getting her workout in. And I mentioned to her that I kind of miss running a little bit, even though I'm not a prototypical runner. I can't really say I acquired the runner's high, but it's kind of a lonely, lonely 
activity. And I kind of look forward to that loneliness, being out on a country road by myself or a path by myself, sometimes with headphones, sometimes without, just trugging along, chugging along, letting the thoughts kind of enter my brain and kind of escape. A little bit like meditation, I suppose, but I guess it was meditative. And I miss that, but physically I just can't do that anymore. So I do this kind of jumping thing and I kind of twerked. Is that a word? I kind of twerked my left knee a little bit and it's kind of been swelling up. And so I don't know that I remember anything singular that I did, but it doesn't take much at this age juncture to feel it. I believe early on in the history of this podcast, I have probably mentioned Sister Mary Dorothy. I don't recall Sister Mary Dorothy's last name, but I do recall the effect she had on me. And it was in the seventh grade that Sister Mary Dorothy was one of our instructors, one of our teachers. And we shared teachers. It was kind of this new fangled learning experiment where a couple of courses would be taught by one teacher and then a couple of other classes would be taught by Sister Mary Dorothy. Up until that time, that was really not the case. You know, you had one teacher and it's like, oh, who's your teacher? Oh, it's Mrs. Bryan. Okay, why Mrs. Bryan? And now it's like, well, that's kind of a difficult question to answer because for these classes, I have X person and for these classes, I have Y person. And But this was the first time that we did this kind of jingle jangle of teachers. And Sister Mary Dorothy, to me, was very radical. And even though she wore the black and white habit of the Sisters of Notre Dame, there was something extremely attractive about her to me. And I believe in that earlier podcast, I probably at my early age might have even suggested to myself that there was something mildly sexual. But I don't know about that because I really wasn't clued in all that much to that side of my personality. Although the more episodes of Gilligan's Island I watched and appreciated the differences between Ginger and Mary Ann, I probably got more in touch with that. But at this time, you know, to have that kind of feeling and being, you know, an upright, dedicated practitioner of Roman Catholicism, that was just something that you didn't admit to yourself. But I think that that may have been the case. But more so than that, her very young, attractive, pretty face inside that black and white habit of the Sisters of Notre Dame, Sister Mary Dorothy was kind of radical. She asked us, to question things. She wanted us to invite the indecision that we had about the life around us, about church, and certainly about God. And she asked us to ask questions of ourselves about what would prompt us to obey this law, what would prompt us to obey this command. And As I thought about Sister Mary Dorothy throughout my life, and certainly while I was in the seminary, I wondered to myself, 
Naturally, I could not appreciate Sister Mary Dorothy's directives then, but as I was sitting in class, staring out the window, not being particularly interested in medieval philosophy, thoughts of Sister Mary Dorothy would kind of creep into my brain, and I would think, wow, that was pretty radical of her to say that to seventh graders, that they should not be ashamed of the questions that they had about their faith and about the world around them. And this was very, in a way, kind of earth-shattering for me. And it was kind of attractively earth-shattering. It was, as I said, maybe granularly, sexually mind-blowing for me, because here was this bright, intelligent, young, attractive nun saying these things to me, a very impressionable person, and I was very attracted by this. Wow, I can question the authority figures around me and not feel ashamed by it. I think of Sister Mary Dorothy when we had a discussion one day about confession. And confession really has always been marginally puzzling to me, especially during my major upbringing within Roman Catholicism. This, this act that you could commit sin and then you could enter this wooden box and in front of you was a screen where your face was sort of partially hidden, but you knew your face really wasn't partially hidden because I could see the priest. I'm sure the priest can see me. So why aren't we just talking to each other? And then later on, when the edict was announced that we could actually sit face to face in chairs across from the priest, I didn't want to do that because I didn't want him to see me. So it was like this weird, strange catch 22. But I remember Sister Mary Dorothy saying about confession, you know, you have to question everything that you believe. It's okay to do that because God wants you to do that. You can be at one with Jesus Christ, your Lord and Savior. He knows all of your thoughts anyway. He knows all of your feelings anyway. So you might as well just have the conversation with him. And I thought in the same way, why can't I just have the conversation with the priest? But that's not what we did back then. Still, these thoughts did go through my mind, and I was entranced by these thoughts. And consequently, when I would go home, and I remember having these conversations with my parents, well, they were very against this. Now, today, parents would call a meeting, or you know, they would have the teacher brought up before the committee, and then they would post it on social media. Back then, those things simply just weren't done. I mean, you could come home after being, for the most part, beaten within an inch of your life. And my parents kind of looked at that as, well, that's straight, good old-fashioned Roman Catholic discipline. And that's going to make you a better person. So, again, those things didn't happen back then. But still, my ease at which she put me because I had these questions in my head anyway made me very open to the things that she was suggesting. And I do think, I do think that later on in life, Sister Mary Dorothy asked me to question the things 
that I was uncertain about even later in life. And I am grateful that she gave me or seemed to give me this latitude. And this latitude has allowed me, and maybe erroneously on certain occasions, and that's okay, because Sister Mary Dorothy says it's okay to feel bad about that, that maybe I didn't make the right decision in challenging this authority figure or questioning this authority figure. And it's not about standing up in the middle of a room and telling that this person's a blowhard or like some Republican Congress people who say to Obama, liar. I mean, it isn't one of those situations, but it is casually and, you know, following the protocol, being able to say to this person, I heard you say this thing, but I am not so sure about that. Can I just run something past you? Because I'm really not clear. Those are things that I would not have said to a boss. Those are things normally I don't think I would have said to a doctor. I don't think those are things I would have said to a client. And trying to find logical, peaceful, well thought out ways to make sure that any haziness that you had about a certain thing was going to get cleared up or that you did your best to try to clear it up. And so I think. It's making sure that before you set something on a pedestal, that you make sure, at least that was my interpretation of what Sister Mary Dorothy was saying, that you make sure that that person or that thing is deserving of the pedestal. Perhaps I'll use a podcast episode to talk about what my Catholic upbringing means to me and what it meant to me and where it stands now. I don't think this is the podcast for that. And some of my other feelings about organized religion and organized faith and where those things stand in my life. But needless to say... I'm sure you've probably gathered from various episodes in this podcast that I struggle almost daily with where I should be and what I should do and what this concept of a monotheistic God means to me and what it's supposed to do in my life and the existence of it and where it sits in terms of me operating my life. And how does the past affect the future? And what can I learn from past episodes and past mistakes as it relates to my Roman Catholic upbringing? And where does it sit now? And I believe that a lot of angst has been experienced in my life because of it. I recall asking questions and telling Sister Dorothy that I asked a question of my father when sitting in front of a football game one afternoon, and it had something to do with somebody dying. I asked my father a question about, well, if a person has done bad things on earth, 
and then he asks for forgiveness on his deathbed, then why does he get an automatic pass once he dies? Because we're told that once that person asks for forgiveness, then they will enter the gates of heaven. And my father didn't say anything. He just kind of rocked back and forth in his chair, kind of watching the game. And then he looked over at me and he said, you're thinking about things now, aren't you? And while that wasn't an answer, and while it continues really not to be an answer, I realized then that Sister Mary Dorothy's impact on me was starting to have an effect. Now, is that a good effect? I don't know. I sometimes think it might be much easier if there was no questioning involved. It would be much easier if I would just follow the precepts and do what I'm told and not fight it. These are things that I grapple with all the time. Quite honestly, I would say that I grapple with them every single day. And I'm hoping, as I would probably say to Sister Mary Dorothy if I was hanging out after class one day, I'm hoping that simply because this entity known as God sees me struggling so much, that maybe I'll get some bonus points just for the struggle. I mean, it's happened before. I mean, coaches have lauded me, despite the fact that I really wasn't performing very well. I certainly was putting in a lot of effort, enough for them to say, you know, if some of you would put forth the effort on the defensive side of the ball, as Matthew did, then we might be in a better position to win. So I consoled myself knowing that at least by making it seem like I cared and that I really wanted to better myself, even though I hadn't really assumed a better position, that I would get some bonus points. And I have a sneaking suspicion that even though both of us wouldn't know this to be true, and it probably isn't true, that it might be something that she might even say to me, that it's okay. The effort sometimes is enough. You know, Father Tommy Thompson, when I was back in the seminary, said, you know, people amass rows and rows of books, and sometimes they never open them up. And there are times when sometimes you can just reach out and touch a book, and that sometimes is good enough. Just just touch it, even if you don't read it. Just pull it out and admire the cover and, and scroll through the pages very quickly and put the book back on the shelf. And sometimes that's good enough. And so I sometimes console myself with the fact that, you know, in my imperfect nature, to be grateful for someone to give me things to think about, even though they may not yield exactly what you have intended for them to yield, that maybe that alone can be good enough for the time being. And at least it sets you on a journey, sets you on a path to follow the precepts that you need to follow and pushes you gently in a direction to hopefully make you a better person. Because I think in the end, what I'm most grateful for for Sister Mary Dorothy is 
not the okay, the tacit okay to be a rebel. It's an okay to question the things that hopefully will make you better and to push you in the direction to find concrete answers without merely just accepting them like a robotic figure. For those things, I am grateful for Sister Mary Dorothy. And I've thought about Sister Mary Dorothy numerous times over my life. That feeling of saying to oneself, it's okay to just be not okay with accepting things as they are until you feel more comfortable, until you have proof, or in the immortal words of George H.W. Bush, until you trust but verify that those things are okay. Before I started this podcast, I reached out to a local vendor about a product that I needed. It's been my wish to support or try to support the brick and mortar stores. I appreciate the online experience. I appreciate the savings that can sometimes emerge from the online experience and the comfort and the convenience of the online experience. But I do have my doubts about whether this is ultimately good for us. And again, these are thoughts saved for a future podcast, perhaps. But it is my attempt to support the local brick and mortar stores, even if I may pay a little bit more. I think it's it's a part of my nature to be able to experience what I used to experience. And it's funny because I was just asked to be on a question and answer period with a writer or someone who writes for one of the newspapers online, a digital version. And they saw a tweet that I sent out on my account about how Donna and I last week strolled through a mall and how enjoyable it was to be in that mall. Even though we had our masks on and we were social distancing, the fact that we were able to do it again, it not only harkened back to over a year ago before the virus, but it harkened back to the mall itself. I mean, so many malls are going by the wayside. And so this person who was writing the article was sort of interested in my tweet and wanted to know if I would answer a couple of questions about how Donna and I had been handling going out in public during COVID and now post-COVID, hopefully. We can say post-COVID safely. And it reminded me how I responded to her questions by saying, I have been trying to do my best to support brick-and-mortar stores as opposed to always ordering online. I'm not opposed to ordering online or supporting Amazon or buying from Amazon, but I just think that we can't just give our life over to Amazon. At any rate, just approached a brick-and-mortar store here about a product, and it took five days for them to get back with me. Five days. And I needed this product. And so the short version of a longer tale is that when I finally heard back from them, I had already purchased this product online. I said to them, you know, here's the, here's the deal. I reached out to you 
and I expected a response. I was letting my intentions known that I wanted to buy this from you probably at a little higher price, but I respect the fact that you're still in business and you couldn't respect me back and by waiting five days to get back to me. And so I had to move. I had to order. So I don't know what the response to my email was. I I haven't received it yet or whether I'll get a response. But to me, that was taking a little swat at the people on the pedestal because I probably previously would not have responded that way. But I feel like I owe that little inkling of bravado to Sister Mary Dorothy. Now, this gets me in trouble from time to time. And as I said to another friend of mine, I'm trying to gauge exactly where the threshold is because sometimes it can get you in trouble, especially if you're flat out wrong. But I, again, appreciate and am grateful for what I feel is the wisdom that came from this young, attractive, intelligent nun who seemed to have a hearty hand in molding a person who was close to entering high school for the first time. Well, those who know me know that uh, we have a dog and his name is Izzy and Izzy is a full-blood West Highland Terrier and Izzy's pretty old and We had an episode today where we took him to go get groomed and we dropped him off and I probably wasn't home five minutes and the groomer place called and said, something wrong with Izzy. We put him in the bathtub to bathe him and he just kind of slunked over on his side and, and he wasn't very responsive and we feel really uncomfortable about grooming him and especially even just about taking the blow dryer and trying to dry him. Uh, So maybe it might be best if you come and pick him up. And so driving back with him, you know, his spirits had kind of lifted a little bit and I kind of looked in his eyes and, you know, his eyes are full of cataracts and, and he doesn't hear very well and he has virtually no peripheral vision. He has virtually no really decent hearing because you can creep up sort of behind him and walk behind him. He has no idea that you're there. And I just watch him just slowly drifting away. While it is very, very sad, I'm very, very grateful that, as Donna says often, we've had such good doggies in our life. You know, we've, we're, our lives have been immeasurably blessed by the presence of these canines. And we have, while we've had cats, you know, at various times throughout our time together, and I certainly enjoy cats, I've always been a dog person. You know, some people say I'm a cat person or I'm a dog person. I am clearly a dog person. I far relate to their personalities. Izzy has just been such a gentle little boy. I mean, just a, you would never hear a peep out of him. And he's just so adorably cute. And it's just stunning to watch him in decline. And I know that it's tough to be grateful for decline. But it does make me feel gratitude that we were, one, able to save him and because he was in a very bad position and in a very bad situation. And now to be able to hopefully 
give him the comfort that he needs as he kind of goes through the last portions of his life. So makes me just feel very grateful that he's still around. And I hear him kind of walking around a little bit upstairs. And sometimes he'll come down here and he will nudge on the door and want to get into the studio. That doesn't happen too often, but so if you have pets, love your pets and hug them and and show them that you appreciate them, whether they're young and vibrant or whether they're slowly eking out the remaining portions of their lives. Until then, we will continue to experience a couple of really, really, really nice days here in Northeast Ohio. We've had almost a whole week of rain, and the sun has been out the last couple of days. It's going to be 70 or so throughout most of the weekend, and there's no rain in sight until early next week. And so yours truly, with his hobbling left knee, is going to go out and mow the lawn to make it look like somebody actually lives here. And I will continue to be grateful that the rain has stopped and there's sunshine and blue skies. Hopefully it's all sun and blue skies in your world and that you are grateful for it. Until then, thank you for tuning in and downloading and listening to another episode of the Gratitude Journal Podcast. <laughs>